I know my father. I know that when people tell him it can't be done, that guarantees that he gets it done. I know that when someone tells him that something is impossible, that's what triggers him into action. That's Donald Trump Jr. speaking about his father, Donald Trump Sr., now the nominee for the Republican Party for president. I'm Laura Weber Davis. Thanks for joining us here on Detroit Today. I'm also co-hosting for the rest of the week with Chuck Wilbur, a former WDET News Director and also longtime public policy consultant. Chuck, happy to have you here. Great to be with you, Laura. Especially because you'll add some validity to some of my harebrained schemes, I think. so. <laughs> Glad to do that. Uh, so we can't stop. We can stop calling uh, Donald Trump the GOP's presumptive nominee at this point. What do you make of that? We want to hear from you throughout the hour. 313-577. 1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. We're going to dig into what the Republican Party is doing approaching the economy, although they didn't talk about it much last night. That was supposed to be the theme. And we'll also talk about how the Republican Party and the Democrats are approaching education going forward from a national level. But the Republican National Convention made it official yesterday. The controversial New York businessman is now the leader of their party. And we also heard from two of Trump's kids, Tiffany and Donald Jr., as we just heard. On the ground in Cleveland is Chad Livengood, a reporter for the Detroit News. Uh, Chad, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. So I think I want to start just by having you give us the lay of the land. Um, uh, is this your first convention that you've ever covered? And, and if so, um, what do you make of everything? I covered both the, the conventions in 2008 uh, when I was a reporter in Missouri at the time, um, covering the Democrats in Denver and the Republicans in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So, so what do you what do you make of of this year's round so far uh, compared to Mitt Romney's convention uh, four years ago? Well, this is not your father's Republican National Convention. Um, it is a different scene. Um, an unconventional candidate, um, and and he's putting on an unconventional uh, convention, to say the least. Um, there are different types of speakers. Uh, I mean, Monday night we saw a a, um, a host of people from uh, essentially uh, law enforcement background, military background. Uh, we saw the, the, some of the survivors of the Benghazi uh, attack. Uh, uh, we saw um, uh, family members of, um, of people who have been uh, killed in the line of duty. Um, so it was, a, it was a different type of approach. Um, and I mean, there are some establishment Republican leaders speaking, um, but not all of the establishment Republican leaders. I mean, this is a convention where the two living former presidents named George Bush are not attending, much less speaking. Right. Um, and, uh, and also the last two nominees, uh, Mitt Romney and, um, and Arizona, or Arizona Senator John McCain are both not attending uh, and, and were hardly even invited, uh, to say the least, because they've, they've had uh, their differences with the um, uh, nominee, Donald Trump, who was crowned the nominee last night uh, uh, during a, um, uh, the formal roll call vote. Yeah. Chuck, um, you've also been following conventions, uh, covering conventions, attending conventions. Um, did you ever think that we would see Donald Trump as the nominee for the Republican Party? Uh, Laura, I claim no, no prescience on this one. I think I was as fooled as most people were about this. I always assumed the Republican establishment would have a way of, of counterattacking 
um, and coalescing around a candidate in opposition to Trump. And I guess what I my takeaway from that is that after eight years of being an opposition party, the Republicans had done such a poor job of defining what they were for that they had no ability to rally a constituency around that kind of agenda. Nature abhors a vacuum, and Donald Trump is kind of a force of nature. Sure. And he was able to, I think, step into that vacuum in a way that few of us could anticipate. Uh, Chad, the outsiderness of Donald Trump, you know, I, I fell asleep on the couch, admittedly, uh, as Chris Christie was taking the stage. And I knew, I said, this is going to be a 40-minute nap at best, and I'll wake up right as the keynotes are, are taking off. And then I wake up, and Ben Carson is talking about Lucifer, and I'm confused what I'm watching um, and all the keynote speeches had passed me by, and it was only 10.30. And to me, that spoke a little bit uh, of a continuation of the disorganization, even though last night's convention proceedings seemed to be a little more functional than the first night with Melania Trump. I just, I'm curious if you're getting a sense on the ground that this is, I mean, like you said, this is not your father's convention. Is there an element of disorganization or... Um, am, am I reading too much into that? And, and really, the, the Trump campaign has a firm grasp about who's speaking about what and when. Well, there, there's an element of, of surprise and unpredictability, and that, that is, uh, that is the, uh, one of the tenets of the Donald Trump campaign. Um, and so th- that's not uh, much of a surprise, really. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there, the, the order Monday night didn't make any sense. I mean, Melania Trump's uh, speech, uh, aside from the, uh, the apparent plagiarism of a couple of paragraphs from um, Michelle Obama's 2008 speech, uh, it was very well received. And, um, and then, then basically they put a couple more speakers on, on, on stage, uh, and uh, they, the, the place was, uh, uh, the people, the, convent, the, the attendees were starting to pour out of the arena, and uh, no one was hardly listening at that point. So right. there was some there were some questions about uh, the, uh, the 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 chore- choreography of the whole opening event. Uh, but um, last night um, they they tried to turn this uh, into more of a an indictment on Hillary Clinton, and this this is a this, try to turn this into a choice campaign and and essentially a referendum on the Clintons. And and so you'll I think you'll see more of that uh, tonight, um, especially when you get. Um, some of Donald Trump's uh, former uh, opponents on stage, I mean, uh, Scott Walker, who whose campaign whimpered off and, um, before it even started, hardly, um, and uh, you also see hear from Marco Rubio. I mean, this is a, this is going to be interesting to hear from him tonight, given uh, you know the uh, the labels uh, these candidates, these opponents uh, took from Donald Trump, I mean, him being called Little Marco, and then Ted Cruz, the Texas senator. So. Um, they're starting to get on message, but it took it had a little bit of a slow start. Monday, obviously, was a little bit chaotic because of the procedural um, uh, efforts on the on the floor by the the, the last grasp of, um, attempt by the uh, dumb Trump movement to try to uh, let uh, let um, delegates vote their conscience uh, right. rather than being bound by um, by their their state election results. Chad Livengood is our guest right now. He's a reporter with the Detroit News. He's on the ground right now in Cleveland with the RNC. If you'd like to join the conversation, your reaction to the past couple days, uh, did you ever think that we would see Donald Trump as the nominee, the official nominee of the Republican Party? Give us a call right now, 
313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. Chad, you mentioned Melania Trump's speech, the controversy swirling around that as well. Um, the New York Times uh, published a quite a comprehensive article last night detailing how that apparent plagiarism could have gotten to where it was and and, and even surfaced uh, in the capacity that it did. Um, how much of that was really swirling around on the ground? Were people talking about it? Were the delegates talking about it? Were the advocates talking about it? Or was it more just something um, being discussed in the media realm? Well, some of the Trump critics uh, within the Republican Party were certainly talking about it. It was more one another one of the uh, sort of head shaking uh, moments uh, that they've had uh, several of them uh, over the last year, where um, where they, they 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 just say, "Boy, this is one more you know nail in the coffin." I mean, they're very uh, there's a uh, underlying amount of pessimism that Trump is going to be an electoral disaster. And then there's other people who think he's going to be um, the best thing since Donald, since uh, since Ronald Reagan. So um, it, it's it's it, it kind of goes both ways. I mean, and other party leaders are trying to dismiss it. I mean, Ronald Romney McDaniel, the, the chair of the Republican Party of Michigan, uh, during uh, her remarks yesterday morning in the breakfast, um, she didn't uh, you know reference you know the, the, she didn't say out loud you know Melania is accused of plagiarism, but she she said, boy, if the press would just co- uh, have have covered. Hillary Clinton's emails as much as uh, as Melania's speech, uh, they would uh, it, the world would be a better place. Well, I mean, anybody who's watched the news over the last uh, <laughs> sure. like four weeks has known that Hillary Clinton has been taking uh, several arrows from the media, from the mainstream media Absolutely, over her right. emails and and the uh, essentially the um, character indictment that the FBI director issued against her. Sure, uh, Chuck, you have written speeches, political speeches, throughout your career. Um, tell me, as a speechwriter, is that something it, we often hear about, like self plagiarizing, right? When people, when speechwriters or people who are writing anything um, take their own writing and repurpose it, which has its own set of ethical problems. Um, but from the standpoint of taking from somebody else and putting it into your speech, um, how? On the uh, you know, contrasting that, people are saying, "Well, there's all these sort of platitudes and um, sure. cliches that we hear in politics all the time, and you can't avoid s- sometimes saying what other people have already said." Where does this fit in that, and, and uh, how do you view it as a speechwriter? Well, I think this clearly was plagiarism, but I don't think Melania Trump had anything to do with it. Her only sin, and it was a small one, was being unwilling to admit that she had to get help to do a speech. Well, frankly, this is how the world works. When a political person needs to give a convention speech, they don't call ghostbusters. They call ghost writers. <laughs> and that, that's how the world works in politics. And I think if she'd just been willing to say, these are my ideas, but of course I had help from a speechwriter to do this, uh, it would have been easier then for the Trump campaign to fire someone. And believe me, this is something that in most campaigns somebody would get fired over. Mm -hmm. Instead, it became this kind of indictment of the Trump campaign for either being dishonest or incompetent. Neither message uh, they wanted to project out of this convention. Right. Chad Livengood is our guest right now. You also just heard from Chuck Wilbur, who's co-hosting with me for the rest of the day. Uh, for the rest of the week, pardon me. And the rest of the day. Chuck, you'll be here the rest of the day, right? I'll manage, You're not going to stand up and walk away. <laughs> uh, if you want to join the 
conversation. The phone number is 313-577-1019. We'll get to the phones in just a moment. Um, Chad, I wanted to ask you about the dump Trump movement, especially now that it's over. We saw on the first day of the convention, the Colorado delegation walked off the floor over some of the rules um, that were surrounding uh, nominating Donald Trump, and also yesterday some upsetness over the role uh, over the taking the role for the nomination um, when delegates wanted to cast their votes certain ways. I don't know how much of that was tied into the dump Trump movement, but it's clearly over at this point. Uh, are there hurt feelings still abound, or is there a sense is there a stronger sense of needing to come together and and find unity within the party? Well, for the folks who are the real insiders who want to, you know, they're in here for the game, essentially the navigation of, of the rules. Um, you know, they'll they'll live to fight another day, and um, and some of that, some of this maneuvering that was going on was more in focus by, especially by the supporters of Ted Cruz, focused on the next election. Uh, frankly, that um, that if, if Donald Trump loses, or if if uh, Donald Trump wins, and then is not, uh, and, and then that once someone wants to try to challenge him in a primary. Um, they need to have uh, some establishment of different rules. And so there was a little bit of maneuvering going on with 2020 in mind, uh, believe it or not. Interesting. Um, but, um, and so but at the same time, yeah, there's going to be some hard feelings. Um, but I, I also start in a sense that you know, well, there's, people are just kind of coming around to us. Um, Republicans are getting, have been very energized um, about, um, even though Hillary Clinton didn't get indicted over her, her email server, they've gotten energized about um, Hillary Clinton, uh, about defeating Hillary Clinton. And, and in, the, in the last couple of weeks, since all this negative news came out uh, about and these remarks from the FBI director, um, the other thing that sort of seems to unite those folks, uh, the dumb Trump people with the Trump people, is the desire to keep a stronghold on the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, and uh, and there are some uh, there's some aging uh, and um, and, uh, and and elderly uh, individuals uh, on the Supreme Court uh, mm-hmm. who, who may be um, maybe maybe making an exit in the next couple of years. Well, it's and, interesting that the subject of the Supreme Court seemed to come up a lot more last night than the subject did. of the night, which was the economy, which came up. Uh, very few times. It seemed like the court was driving people just as much as the dislike and distaste for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hear a lot about uh, what exactly the plan is for uh, for changing the economy. Uh, we haven't quite heard that. Um, how, to, how How is he going to make America great again, uh, other than, you know, trying to get tough on trade deals? Um, the the um, you know, the devil's in the details in these kind of things, and, um, and these kind of specifics, uh, uh, you know, you may not see him at, the, at this national convention. I mean, that may be the kind of thing that will be um, uh, litigated on the campaign trail in, in the next uh, the next three months or so. Chad Liven, good political reporter with the Detroit News, also on the ground in Cleveland with the RNC. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. Now we'd like to take some of your calls. Uh, 313-577-1019. Did you ever think that you would actually see Donald Trump, the person we've come to know so intimately because of reality television, a businessman who's been around for decades now, a large name who has made his name a brand, would become the Republican nominee? 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. Uh, we'll go to Hattie first in Detroit. Hattie, welcome to the program. Hattie. Hi. Uh, hi. hi yes, ha- yes, we can hear you. Hattie, oh, welcome to you. the program. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you. I just want to say, you know, I am 
appalled and I'm terrified of Donald Trump. You know, um, he's a billionaire. You know, who, people think that he's going to help the working class people. I'm a waitress. You know, I mean, I make a decent living. Um, he spews hate. All it is is hate. It's whipping up hatred. You know, I was a docent at the Holocaust Memorial Center for years, and I feel that's the same thing that Hitler started to do. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And I, you know, uh, unfortunately, people don't like Hillary Clinton. You know, I guess she was a liar, too. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's frightening. And I'd like to know, can a president declare martial law? And what exactly is martial law? Thank you. Well, thanks, Hattie, for your phone call. Well, Chuck, uh, let's talk. There's a couple things that I want to um, unravel with you there. We've heard a lot. Uh, of comparison being made between Donald Trump and uh, Hitler uh, over the past few months. Some of that is is just rhetoric and obviously extremely um, biased rhetoric. And anytime you bring in the names Hitler or Nazis, I you know you have to cast some doubt upon it because you're talking about an extreme person, an extreme scenario. How closely do you feel like Donald Trump meets any of those thresholds to make those comparisons valid? I guess I periodically see Donald Trump make statements that seem authoritarian in nature, but I guess I don't think about it in in quite those terms. I think what is clear, though, and we, we know this because Republican leaders have said it, not just Democratic critics, but Republican leaders have told us you have a candidate who regularly makes racist statements who has xenophobic policies, and that's a fundamental shift in American politics. I mean, I don't think we've seen anybody make such open appeals to race in American politics since George Wallace's last campaign for president. Now, we've heard a lot uh, of defense uh, coming to his side, um, especially from his family, his close friends, saying he's not a racist person. He is, you know, what you think and what's being said about him is simply not true, and we know his heart and mind. From a from a political perspective, does it matter if there's a difference between how you feel internally and how you're presenting your message? Well, that's a good question because I think a lot of the people are looking to this convention to give us a different Donald Trump. But I guess right. for any candidate at their convention, why would we believe that candidate is, candidate is fundamentally different than the person we've seen for the last year campaigning for the nomination? Now suddenly they're at this transformative convention where they emerge different than they were before. Right. And why would that be plausible? For anyone, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, anyone else. We usually see a shift happen at the conventions where people become more presidential or more to the center. Do you expect to see that from Donald Trump? He's such a wild card. It's so hard to say where things go from here. I think you'll see a difference in tone. I mean, I do think it'll be a teleprompter delivered speech. And frankly, I'm probably one of many people now who wonder whether the Republicans are nominating the right Trump. If he could deliver a speech half as effectively as his son, Donald Jr., did last night, I think think uh, it, it would appear to be a different Donald Trump, at least in terms of style. And we, But we haven't seen some uh, a Donald Trump that can read off a teleprompter without going off script yet. And at some point, he's going to uh, show that he has not maybe not the most firm grasp on, the, not the English language, but on grammar. I mean, he sort of just skews off into his own way of talking very yeah, It'll quickly. be interesting to see because yeah. even last night when he had that little videotaped message, or not videotaped, it was a live video connect to the convention from New York, right. he did seem stilted and scripted. Right. And it didn't seem like the natural Donald Trump we've come a- 
accustomed to. Sure. All right, let's go take a couple more phone calls. Earl is in Detroit. Earl, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Uh, reason for my call today, I heard nothing but how the Hillary bashing. It's enough for that blame to go around. They could, they had, the Republicans forgot. I am an independent, by the way. But Republicans forgot they had a president called George W. Bush that, that lied to get us into a war. And and if we're not criminalizing him, I don't see us blaming him for what he done. You know, he sure. that was the biggest lie perpetrated on America than anything. Sure. Uh, just, uh, to get, just to get to that oil, just to get Saddam Hussein's oil. Sure. That's what it was all about. And Republicans, I keep perpetuating this lie. I can't, I can't, I can't see myself voting for a party that that sit up and lie to the American people to get them into a war, uh, a twelve-year war, and then they want to go back to war. Send, let them send their children over there to die. Uh, Earl, I've seen uh, enough. Of, I've seen enough of it. Earl, thank you so much for your phone call. I appreciate it. Chuck Wilbur, I'm I'm curious, if you've been in the political realm long enough, do you eventually tell, is it just inevitable that you will tell a lie that is detrimental or um, will make people feel like they've been deceived uh, in total? Well, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think people are pretty careful in politics to stay in that gray zone as much as they can and not steer into something that can be easily branded a, an outright lie. Sure. But I, I think what we're seeing in relation to the caller's point, you know, many Democrats and independents reject the Bush foreign policy agenda, believe the war in Iraq was wrong. But now we have a Republican candidate who's broken from that history. Right. And who says that was wrong and who positions himself as a critic of the policy that was really the centerpiece of the Bush presidency. A critic, except for when it comes to his own vice presidential pick. He makes exceptions. Who supported, <laughs> that's right. Who supported the war in Iraq. And, you know, that's OK. All right. Uh, let's take one more call here. Leon is in Detroit. Leon, welcome to the program. Thank you. And good morning. Hey, you, you know, I, I, w- I want to go back to uh, uh, what you were just talking about in terms of uh, uh, Hitler, and I'm going to add Mussolini to this uh, conversation, in that um, obviously they didn't go from regular citizens to dictators. Right. They, wooed, they wooed the citizens of the countries that they ended up dictating. And that's the same thing, that's, that, that, that's the same thing that could happen here uh, uh, if people aren't... Uh, aren't because um, like I say like I'm saying Mussolini nor Hitler uh, came out of the woodwork carrying a banner saying I'm going to rule this country sure they came they came out talking uh, talking uh, they sold an idea and I know from having been in retail sales myself as long as you can keep the customers nodding his head up and down you have them. Mm-hmm. Well, Leon, thanks for bringing up that point. I, I think that you're right. It's all about the messaging. And it's um, right now we don't know where the messaging turns, I guess. It's been a surprising um, election cycle so far, to say the least. Well, keep giving us your phone calls and your thoughts. 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. The convention was supposed to be about the economy last night. But it really wasn't. Up next, we'll talk about the party's take on jobs.